bless you. We praise you. We honor you. We ask you to come in now. Open up the bread of life. Break open your body and, and fill us till we want no more. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today I thought we'd talk about prophecy in warfare. Prophecy in warfare. Uh, because we we I want you to always remember that we are fighting an enemy while we're here and and um, I know there's a lot of talk even in the natural about wanting to have peace and all of that but there are some people uh, that don't want peace there are some entities that don't want peace and so Satan is one of those entities he does not want peace uh, you can tell by the people that that are influenced by his thinking uh, they want to oppress they want to control and they want to damage, steal, kill, and destroy. And so we have to always be wise to this fact. <clears throat> but we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So your your neighbor's not your enemy. Your, your brother's not your enemy. If, <clears throat> and, and I think the more you can fill yourself with the word identify with your true identity you are a resident of heaven and there are some some op, there's always opposition to what heaven wants down here on earth there always has been there always will be and so we have to recognize that the enemy satan is the one that we fight and we love people and we preach the gospel to them we encourage them we pray for them pray for the sick pray for the uh, infirm we pray for all men uh, and we we have a ministry of reconciliation and that is the forgiveness of all sins and debts not holding things against anybody allowing the love of God to minister to them and win them over you want to win the soul over to Christ you don't want to abandon people and uh, cast them aside because you weren't cast aside at one point we were all enemies of God and aliens the Bible says from the covenants of promise and but God has brought us near by the blood of his cross and we we're so thankful for that and so he's left the church here to draw other people near but in drawing people near we have to make sure that we keep the enemy under our feet and under his feet and so when we we keep that in mind we can and it's not hard to do you just pray the word and you bind up evil influences and you don't make room for them the bible says do not give place to the devil don't make room for him Amen. In other words, don't consider his nonsense. It's it's non-considerable. Anything that um, uh, comes against the word of God, speaks against the word of God, we do not consider that. That is not something that we have to make room for in our lives and in our thinking you just take authority over it and let the devil know his place let him know that he's not welcome in your life he's not and and recognize him when you recognize him call him out you know and then tell him you recognize him don't just sit there and let him you know you you got a child that used to be alert and get good grades and all of a sudden they can't stay awake come on now it's the devil so call him out and make him leave your child alone let him know you're not afraid of him because you have a prophecy over your child huh the seed of the righteous will be delivered they will never beg bread they will have uh, they will grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with man they won't be nodding out taking drugs and and have a wasted life they will prosper and be in health as their souls prosper 
They are children of sound mind, good intelligence. They have favor. They're sought after. They're highly favored children. Don't let your kids sit up and feel sorry for themselves and say everybody's picking on them. You know, pull them out of that mindset. And don't you sit up and say the same thing in front of them. You know, let's all shape up here and war a good warfare according to the word that God has spoken over us. Amen. And so that is no enemy will be able to stand before us all the days of our lives. In other words, when you have to go nose to nose with the devil, he must back up and leave you alone. He can't stand against you. You make him leave your presence. Amen. You don't have to share the atmosphere with him. You don't have to share anything with him. You don't share anything with him. He doesn't share anyway. You give him an inch, he'll take all of it. So keep him out of there. He just he ain't right. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? He ain't right. And so just keep him at, at his distance, put him in his place, and you go on and serve God. So in first Timothy one eighteen we see our scripture here and says Paul is talking to Timothy. Timothy my son I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. So Paul holds on to the prophecies that are given to the ministers that are under his authority. Amen. See, this is this is the way it ought to be. You know, your your pastor, or if you have your uh, have a prophet or apostle uh, that you're under their authority, they're pastoring you and, and over you and the Lord. Um, they should be mindful to keep you reminded and stirred up in the prophecies that are spoken over you, whether they're personal prophecies given to you from the mouth of another vessel, or whether they are God's word spoken over you. Because God's word is a sure word of prophecy. You got me? That one you can take to the bank. When you find in the word of God that that you are healed, you are not subject to disease, you can take that to the bank. That will come to pass for everybody. You understand if it's believed, it will come to pass for everybody. So you remind people, people who are in authority over you will remind you that you are healed. You don't have to put up with this. Come up to the altar and we'll pray for you. And you stand on God's word until the, all these symptoms leave your body. You don't have disease. You are disease free. Disease proof redeemed from the curse of disease same thing with poverty if you're not working go get a job God says if you don't work you don't eat so he must have a job out there for you. He expects you to stay alive to read another scripture. So come on now. He has a job for everybody. There's a purpose for everybody. If you believe there's a purpose for all of us, there must be employment for all of us. Well, that didn't go over so big, but I don't care. It's 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 right. You know, it's right. You know, you don't need a, a prophecy about a job that's wonderful and all that. Just go to work. Everything you set your hands to will prosper. You'll get there one way or the other. If I prophesy a wonderful thing to you or if you go out and set your hand to something and it turns out wonderful, you get to the same place. Huh? You'll get to wonderful, if you, but you won't get there just sitting around. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you have to put yourself in the employ of the things of God in order to prosper. You can prosper off anything. Some of the billionaires in the world today started out in their garage tinkering. Hmm? 
just messing around with stuff because they enjoyed messing around with it and it wind up wound up being something that because they set their hand to it continually it prospered in their hands and that's all we have to do in order to prosper in God folks it works because it's God's word it works because God says it it is so and so those are prophecies that are spoken over all believers if they'll believe them and you will be able to prosper out of those but Paul was talking about some things that Timothy had received personally and he says that by following them you may fight the good fight or one translation says to war a good warfare according to the prophecies that are spoken over you in other words this will be a good warfare it'll prosper you it will bless you your fighting will not be in vain you'll war a good warfare if you do it according to the prophecy spoken over you so how do you do that well you tell the devil to let my stuff go because God says this business of mine will be successful that I'm going to prosper in it that I'm going to increase every year you can't make me decrease and you can't make me quit I thank you Lord that you're going to get me all the supplies that I need you're going to find peace people who will help me to make sure that my name gets out there that my name is known that I have a good reputation with my name as I set my hand to it I will prosper and I will be blessed in it and that's what you tell the enemy when he tries to tell you who do you think you are they don't like that stuff look at you cooking all sloppy and everything they ain't gonna eat that no everything I set my hands to is good it's blessed it prospers it's wonderful they will say good things about everything that I do because you are with me in this God and you promised me these things. And so Paul tells Timothy to take the prophecy that's spoken over you and hit the devil upside the head with it. See that's your weapon. That's your weapon of warfare. You can pounce on him you can pop him upside the head when he tells you to quit you tell him there ain't no quitting me you the one who's gonna quit devil because I bind you I forbid you to say anything about me and my business I don't care if it's just a piece of paper what you wrote down the business name that is my business it is prospering it is great because God is with me and he says it is great that is mine and I prosper and it will take care of me my children my grandchildren hence forth and forevermore and let that word do the work for you amen and you talk to the devil don't talk to people amen in fact it's best to tell people sometimes as little as possible i found that we get in conversations with people out of insecurity now now you just start running your mouth trying to convince yourself that it's so Go in your closet and get convinced first and then come out. You got me? This is just true. This is true. And some people are picking, looking for a fight. You know, they'll get up and start talking about, well, God told me I'm going to do this and God told me I'm going to do that. And they're waiting for somebody to say something negative so they can pounce on them. That's not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about warring a good uh, baiting other people into a fight with you. You know how people get. They want to debate everything. Just because you're not solid in it. You go and spit it out in front of somebody. See what they're going to say to you. Quit doing that. You go in your closet and you get it solid between you and God. And you don't have to come out and tell 15 people what God told you he's going to do for you. Huh? 
you know all this nonsense you know people get things done and I understand uh, uh, you know the vision and how important but he says make the vision plain so that he who sees it can run with it I can't run with your vision you understand what I'm saying? So don't come to me and show me your little logo and your little stuff for your vision and think I'm going to get excited. You get excited about it. huh? And if I don't get excited, don't let that stop you from going for it. You understand? Because that's the only way you're going to get God on your side to bring it. This is something between you and God, not you and 15 other people. A committee consensus of opinion. People lose everything because of their insecurity. You bring it out in the open to see what 15 people think about it and you want to pick a fight with 10 of them. Well let me see what she going to say about my prophecy because she don't like me no way. Wait till they see this. What God said that I'm going to do. Huh? If that's what you think prophecy is for, go back and read your Bible. It is to guide your life. Your prophecy can't help me unless it's going to bring something extra into this church that we need. You understand me? So go and work your little corner in your little corner and get it to prosper and come to pass. You understand me? Let God get it solid in you. Don't go out here uh, spitting that out in front of people just to see what they're going to say. God didn't give you a prophecy to make other people jealous with it. Huh? He doesn't cause confusion and strife in his body. That prophecy is given to you from the heart of God to bless you and guide your life. Treat it as something sacred and something holy. Not something to be dragged around in front of people to see how much dirt you can get stirred up with it. Quit doing that with prophecies. And let God speak to you and let him help you so that you can beat the devil upside his head with it. He is your enemy. Your, your sister and your brother sitting next to you in church is not your enemy. The devil's your enemy. And when he comes to you on Monday morning telling you who do you think you are getting that prophecy and you scared to talk back to him but you'll argue with people in the church. They jealous of my gift. They don't want me to go forth. Well go on. Huh? You ain't doing nothing right here. You're sitting up talking. Why don't you go forth? I ain't going to stop you. I'm going to see how far you can get and bless you as you go. Huh? That's what, what ministers of God do. They, they're, they're encouraging toward the gifts of God. They're supportive toward the gifts of God. Nobody's keeping you back. From what? Huh? There's enough devils out there and enough sinners out there to keep us all busy for a lifetime. Why would I want to hold you back if you got something really that's going to help somebody? So let's be sensible about this folks. Let's not get these things tangled up in our flesh and in our carnal thinking. Let's keep it holy and keep it where God can help us with it. And then when you get ready to step out and you wield that prophecy against the devil who's trying to stop you, it'll crush his head and he'll have to move out of your way amen so let's let's use it right and and be right about it and understand how to use prophecy and warfare and so Paul instructs Timothy to hold on to his faith and a good conscience 
a good conscience. That's the first place the devil will try to snag you and ensnare you is in a bad conscience about your life. I mean if he can get you to think uh, negatively about anything what sometimes people will do is they keep a negative uh, thought content and their, their conscience bugs them too much. Wonder what I did wrong. Why is it taking so long? What a wonder, wonder, wonder. That wondering is a bad conscience. See, you've got to get yourself in a position with God where you, number one, I would say this, forgive quickly. Don't be so defensive and angry at people about little small things you know don't be on the coming in with your fist balled up fighting everybody you know in a defensive posture but keep a peace about yourself be a peaceful person and and don't be so touchy about everything the bible says love is not touchy if you're going to be a good warrior you got to be invincible and that means you know teflon like nothing sticks to you because you forgive from your heart not because you you sit up and say well I just I just laughed at it no you didn't the Bible tells you to forgive you got to get these things under the blood you got to nail them to the cross where they belong so that there's no trace of that anymore in your in your soul because your soul will ensnare you when you step out and you try to work for God it happen every single time and so Paul says keep a good conscience don't think don't get it don't get it involved personally it's not personal it's only business. You got me? Uh, you know the mafia people know how to do that. It ain't personal. It's business. This is kingdom business. I don't have anything personal against you. I'm trying to go forward in God. You need to be going forward too instead of standing in my way trying to question me about everything. Let's turn around and go forward together and we can be blessed in God. And so these are the things that we we really, really have to understand that God is doing uh, when he tells us to fight the good fight of faith according to prophecy. What is What did God say about Timothy? Probably told him what churches he would have uh, and how he would go and, and, and begin to gather the believers and to teach them and teach them how to go from house to house teach them how to stay fervent in prayer all of those things were part of what a pastor would do and part of what an apostle would do and still is and so when people start to hang these titles on themselves there's a job description that goes with the title we got to make sure that we know the job description see it goes beyond the title you know, if you're vice president of a company, that sounds impressive. But man, the things that you have to do to earn that title are really, really kind of uh, uh, challenging. And so there's a challenge to go and a job description to go with every single title. So Timothy was not just an apostle and a pastor, but he also had a job description. And he had to be at his job all the time. In fact, a job description is more important than any other aspect of it. You see what I'm saying? What you do bears out who you are. You know, we've had two churches forever. And people sit up and say, well, what does that make you? And I say, I don't know. It makes me a servant of God. And and excuse me, because i got to pack right now and go to this one up in Detroit. You understand? You don't have time to sit up and try to get people. And they, they sit, uh, is you an apostle? And yeah. And so i got to pack right now and go up here and, and do this thing up here. So you understand what I'm saying? And people just don't don't 
uh, pull titles out of nowhere and hang them on themselves without some kind of follow up and job description. See that job description if you don't fulfill it your own words will convict you. Your own words will condemn you. You'll start calling yourself something and there's no evidence of it ever. And then you'll be convicted that you said it yourself. You understand what I'm saying? So I don't argue with people about their titles and stuff. If they want you, what what should I call you? I sure will. Step right up here. Apostle so-and-so, prophetess so-and-so, pastor so-and-so. All on the front row, you know, where you're supposed to be. Uh, But it's not up to me to judge your fruit. Huh? Who am I to criticize another man's servant? And so God will cause you to rise or fall. He'll prove that out in you if that's true for you. There are people who have apostolic anointing that don't even know it sometimes. I didn't know that was what we were operating in. But I knew every city we went to the devil tried to keep us out. And we fought and got in there. So that's apostolic authority. A lot of people do that. There are people that go from city to city because they have to get from job to job and do work for God while they're there. There's tons of people out there operating in the proper authority who don't even put that title on themselves. So let's get beyond titles, folks. Let's get into the job description. The apostles' ministry is validated by signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. Mighty deeds. Deeds that show the might, power, and authority of God to go and start something where nothing's been before. Well, that shuts a lot of people up, and it ought to. Let's get out here and do the works. Let's forget about the titles. Let's go do the works. You know, they, you don't have to wait for somebody to invite you. If I waited to get invited to speak somewhere, I'd be waiting. Now, if you're sent when you're sent. So go. With or without title, but go. And do something. Go do what God called you to do. And so when we, we understand that we can war a good warfare according to prophecy. Prophecy would detail and outline your job description for you. will tell you exactly what God expects you to do. Because he's, he's not vague when it comes to giving you assignments. So Timothy knew exactly what he was called to do. He knew exactly where his authority was and all of that. And so Paul said hold on to that. Don't let go of it. Fight a good fight according to what God has spoken into your heart about you. And what you're supposed to do. What you're capable of. What you can do. The kinds of people he wants to have work with you. Draw those people to you. Make sure that you don't get entangled with a bunch of uh, prelates, potentates, and and 'er ne'er-do-wells. Whatever. Might as well be. You know, people get entangled with a lot of nonsense. When God has called you to be free. You get you get insecure about well uh, maybe I should join so and so's organization so they can help me to do no Jesus is your help if he called you he'll help you huh and if you start depending upon man too much he'll pull the rug right out from under all of that huh you'll look up and then people don't want to call you don't want to be around you he'll teach you to depend on him 
and quit being so insecure about everything just trust God if he called you he appointed you he anointed you he sent you he will do everything you cannot do that with man just laying hands on you I mean that's good to have it confirmed and all of that but don't you get in a corner somewhere and can't move unless somebody tells you to move and that's just not right and so we have to under and there's a lot of people under control like that you know they gotta wait for this board to meet so they can get you know some more clothes on them and you know all that kind of stuff you can go out and buy anything you want to wear huh you want to wear some gold robes and a mitre you can go buy that huh but that don't put God's approval on you that doesn't anoint you that won't get sick people healed under your hands huh it won't cast devils out at the altar when they try to start trying to take over your meeting so you better find out who you are in God see the prophecy that God speaks will set all of that up on the inside of you so that you know he's equipped you to do what he's called you to do if you don't have the equipment don't go anywhere until you get it and when God tells you to step out you step out with everything you've got don't hold anything back if it takes a half a night to pray we've done that we've gone to cities where the atmosphere was too tight and we pray for four five and six hours and and break that thing open because we felt led to do it and and you don't take nonsense from the devil you don't run from him I remember we come through Toledo and everybody caught a cold. And you know that was our first time through. We're sitting up sniffling and wondering. No we refuse this. This is the devil. You don't take sickness. I don't care where you're going. You know we fought that devil. So that we could stay there and have meetings there. And meetings where people would come and get filled. and, And get released into their ministry. Understand warfare. All of that kind of stuff. And so you have to do these things if you're called to do them you got to do them and we ward warfare according to the prophecy God told me to move to Detroit and I thought I was just a housewife moving until the devil showed up and tried to stop me there are people in this city that that told other people not to come to my meetings you know one one uh uh person cleared the meeting out of almost half of the people that used to come to our early conferences just on gossip and rumor and uh, God raised up uh, L.S. Sexton the gentleman that was here earlier today he was like a father to me and I could always he would always invite me to his church to preach well sister I see your gift and I believe in it and he you know he's just like that and so and to this day he'll defend me to the death you know what I'm saying it's just people believe in you they always believe in you they can't be talked out of believing you because of some idiot's gossip and so you have to stay at war you know you don't run because you know I see people God sends them to a city because they don't get uh, 200 people the first year they pack up and leave what kind of apostle is that what kind of prophet is that you don't pack up and leave you stay there and fight huh because you know you're in the right place <laughs> if they come in too quick you start mm, what is this about you know what i'm saying you fight for everything because you're building something that's never been there before people aren't going to like it when they see it you know people ask you who's your covering who's your? i've answered all in questions pretty soon i quit answering them you know you you can give them the the prophet's stare and they leave you alone 
You know, I learned how to work that for my benefit. You know, they think because you're a woman, you got to answer every question. I just look at them like I could see through them, and they just left me alone. Answer the devil. Come on now. You you call yourself a man or woman of God and ain't got sense enough to know the devil's using you like that. It's pathetic. Anywho. Alright. So anyway. That's how you wore good warfare according to prophecy that's written about you. You find yourself in the Bible. When, the, when I would look in the Bible I saw things prophets and apostles did. And I said I think that's me. This word is your mirror. This is the safest place you can ever go to find out who you are. I'd be an idiot to run to 15 people call themselves ministers and get them to speak over me to try to figure out who I am. You don't find yourself in the word you won't find yourself. Once you start dealing with the things of God you got to stay close to. He's the head of the church he called you. You go check in with him and find out who you are. When I would see things like the sons of Issachar, new times and seasons, I said, God, I need to have that. He said, good, that's for you. That's part of the prophet's ammunition. You got me? When I would see musical prophets, bring me a minstrel. Good, I'll take that because that helps me to find the word of the Lord. You, You understand me? You find yourself in God's word. This is the more sure word of prophecy. This is how you know who you are. You don't know who you are by what some other man said. Huh? Especially if they done sold you to prophecy. They more insecure than you are. Because they don't believe it. they can get an offering. So they got to have it up front. Oh, well let me see now. Where was I? So Timothy wore the good warfare. You got to know who you are in Christ, folks. You got to know who you are in the flesh, too. <laughs> and, and avoid that person. You know what I'm saying? But you've got you've to understand how to stay over in the realm of the spirit where your identity is clear to you. Where you know who you are. When you're over in the spirit, it's clear. When you're over in the flesh, it's obscured. So you've got to know who you are. Stay over in the realm of the spirit. So it, when we are we we are to recall prophecies that have been spoken over us and use them as a weapon against the enemy's words of doubt, fear and disqualification. Doubt, fear and disqualification. The enemy will try and disqualify you based on his his assumption that you're going to believe that the blood does not take care of everything. It wasn't total payment. If he can get you convinced that there's something that you've done that's unforgivable, you can't you regret it, you wish you hadn't done it, you know, you come from a long line of people that made the same mistake, whatever, whatever. If he can get you dwelling in that realm, he can disqualify you or diminish your expectation as to what God will do for you and through you. What kind of what kind of ministry is God building through me? Uh, it, can it be a top-notch ministry? Can I believe God for qualified people? 
Uh, ministry is people folks it's not buildings it's not things it's people the building and the things are just to accommodate the people so ministry is people my vision was to build watchmen strong people who weren't afraid of the devil who could go you could take them anywhere with you and they wouldn't leave you high and dry fighting everything yourself huh and so and we've done that God's blessed us to be able to do that the people who are still here are committed people they're people who who stay in a mindset and a spiritual mindset you know I fought for years to help people to stay in that realm some will stay there and some give up the ghost you understand what I'm saying they go get lost somewhere and start doing something else and so you continue to pray for them you wish they would wise up but you know you that's not your call you got to stay and work with who God sends you because the work must go on you understand what I'm saying it must go on now I know pastors feel a little differently that's the difference between a prophet and a pastor pastor has a a set flock and their their job is to keep that flock they don't want to lose one prophets they know there'll be some loss sometime but God knows how to bring those strays back to him. That may not be your job to go get them. You, because you have to keep going forward. You have to take care of what's there and keep making progress and going forward. And that's what we want to do. We're headed into a realm where the glory of God will be so known on God's people. That you will begin to speak a word in season to somebody. And their lives will change immediately and instantly. We're going forward folks. So is there somebody else who will handle the 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 broken the the battered the babies the all of that you got to trust that God has that under control but when he tells you go forward and your gift and your equipment is to go forward you got to go plow you got me and it ain't the easiest job for a lot of people you know prophets can plow and they don't really care you know I mean really but some other gifts they they can't handle all that plowing stuff you know when are we going to get to the pretty carpet and the pretty curtains and the you understand what I'm saying that's that's their thing that they do but if you you know who you're called what you're called to do you'll go and do what you're called to do Uh, some gifts come alive when there's opposition I just happen to have one of those gifts it jumps out when there's something resisting it and so you you got to go with what you got huh problem with the church is we don't have enough people who are going with what God gave them they're trying to borrow something that they think they like off somebody else prophets are just not for prophesying and taking an offering huh we got to pray and plow and preach until we get something going and sometimes it takes a long time to get something going. But you stay with it anyway. You know, we stay with prayers long after most people have quit praying them. You know, they say, oh, well, I used to pray. I said, we know. We still do, though. You got me? That's why them same people is the people with businesses. We don't know if they're in business or not. But we lay hands on them and bless them. Being faithful to that because it's not my job to disqualify anybody's prayer. I'm there to help their situation. You got me? So 
when we understand who we are and what we're called to do that prophecy helps to keep us going forward and what if you will make great progress if you will understand the purpose of prophecy in warfare so Paul told Timothy to make sure he kept a good conscience and he says that some people have rejected it and gone shipwreck in their faith see when you reject what God tells you say you don't want to be uh, an apostle you want to be a pastor say you don't want to be a pastor you reject what God's placed in your life and spoken over you your ship will not go the way it's supposed to God Jesus is the head of the church he knows who he calls and why you know some of this work we have to do it's just work folks it's it's not a glamour thing it's work and so when you understand that it's work God will bring people around you who will help you with the work they will strengthen you and they won't be in your way they'll help you to go forward and so it's a good thing to surround yourself with people like that and you don't need a whole lot of them God can save by many or by few sometimes he'll thin the crowd out just so he can get more people doing the right thing instead of so many obstacles in the way so don't don't feel bad about the thin out you understand what I'm saying don't feel bad about the thin out at all that's that's to your credit let me tell you why when they thin out it's because that sort of the word is dividing God's separating out the serious from the not serious. He'll start to draw people according to the strength that you put in those people that remain. He'll begin to draw stronger people to you and elevate you so that you won't have so much you know, stuff to worry about and, and, and things, obstacles in your way. So in Acts chapter 13, we see a picture of a church at Antioch. It says that there were prophets there in the church. And so and when they say church, they mean the body of believers. <clears throat> prophets are, are foundation laying gifts. They operate a little bit differently. But they should be a part of the body of Christ and have connection to the church in general many times prophets will have their own meetings they'll have their own ministry uh, things of that nature and so it's it's best to allow them to function the way God has called them to function but it says here in 13.1 the church at Antioch were prophets and teachers Barnabas, Simeon who's called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene and Manon who they have, who have been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul so these were all prophets and teachers oftentimes those gifts operate in one person Amen. and so a part of the prophecy was to set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to so that after they had fasted and prayed they placed their hands on them and sent them off after they had fasted and prayed they wanted to make sure that they are their their spirit man dominated over their flesh and that's one way to make sure that your spirit dominates and you can reach up and hear from God I know I shared with you you guys recently that God had put me in a, a time of healing and restoration and one of the requirements was to fast and to be honest with you I have forgotten about it <laughs> right <laughs> anywho that slipped my mind a little bit Barb 
Put the burger down. <laughs> like, like a hostage situation, you know, Mr. Samuel L. Jackson. I will not go to jail today. But anyway, I said, I will not go to jail today. I'll put it down. But anyway, uh, but I noticed that when I do fast, God gives me a, a little tidbit of revelation that I didn't have before. He always is is faithful. He said, "If you if you'll do that, I'll speak to you and I'll help you with with a lot of things that you need help with now." And so I'm, I'll think about it for a minute. I said, "Oh God, I forgot about it." And I put it down, and there we are back again, because it's been an extended period of time, you see. And but I'm I'm being faithful as the Holy Spirit reminds me. But I know that fasting empowers you when you're seeking God. You just can't quit eating. You know what I'm saying. And sit around like a vegetable. You get in the word. Uh, you stay before the Lord. You you know, turn the TV off. I'm not a TV hound. I don't have to have it. You understand what I'm I have to have God though. You understand what I'm saying? And so I'll do that. I leave it off all day. You know, I could care less about that stupid tube if, if God needs to talk to me. And I do need to talk to him. I need healing. I need restoration. I don't know about y'all, but I'm way overdue for a tune-up. You understand what I'm saying? It, pipes are clogged and spewing out smoke and all kind of stuff. So I'm overdue. And so I'm checking in so that God can speak to me. But that was one of the requirements. You see that a lot in the early church. Why? The Most of the New Testament was not written then. See what I'm saying? Just the Gospels were being written and, and, and that was in the works. But they were writing the Bible still back in that day. And so they had to be particular about making sure they heard from God. And so these prophets and teachers were set apart. And so they, they prophesied over Barnabas and Saul for the work that they had called them to. And Barnabas and Saul carried out everything that the Lord told them to do. Whatever those men prophesied over that word kept them going and going and going and going. You see it all throughout the book of Acts. How they went from this city to that city to that. They knew on day one what they were called to do when they were set apart. And that prophecy kept them on the track of what God wanted them to do. They didn't go anywhere that it didn't line up with whatever these men spoke over them in this chapter. Then that's what, what they did. That's exactly what they did did because they got the results of God I would I would kill to be able to see witches burn their books you know now they're trying to make us burn Bibles you know when are we going to wake up and understand that we don't have to be intimidated by their nonsense and so as we war and as we pray the rest of the body of Christ gets benefit of our prayers folks don't ever take prayer casual don't ever think you can skip it and and God is not holding you accountable you know you start skipping stuff and God pretty soon you don't feel right about yourself you depressed you you know disgruntled you dis 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 and dis huh don't get yourself in that crazy bind be faithful with what God's given you to do and and do what God's called you to do now a lot of a lot of times we'll see people I can tell the people that their hearts are in the prayer in this ministry when something good happens they're the first ones to rejoice did you see this or they'll send you something they see on the internet about an answer to prayer some people never do that 
Huh? You're not engaged. You're too casual, too nonchalant. You can get engaged. You can get excited about answers to prayer. You just got to be invested in it. See, you can't get excited about anything that you're not really invested in. Amen? I ain't going to talk about nobody waiting on a husband. So, But it applies across the board. Now, if you want something, you got to be invested in it. You got to be thanking God for it. You got to be expecting it. Huh? You can't be double-minded about it. You got to be all in, as they say in the gambling world. You got to be all in on it. Got all, all your chips, push them right over to the middle of the table and say, "Come on, husband." <laughs> Is that plain enough for you? Like Paul said, we have great plainness of speech. Praise God. Oh, she talked about gambling the whole time. So what? You understood it. Praise the Lord. So we're in Acts chapter 13. There were prophets in that church in Acts 15. Verse 32, we see the same thing. So in that church, prophets were welcomed. They weren't chased out of town like they are now. That office is being restored to the church after the church having rejected it for so long. When God restores something, he takes care of all these things. Huh? I, I, I can remember back in the day when we first started, we didn't tell anybody you know, who we were. You just go sit in the back of the church and hope God never moved on you to say anything. And uh, you know that's the way it was. And it, it does my heart good to see the prophets. And we, we used to preach about that. God opened uh, the voice, released the voice of the prophets. Released the voice of the prophets. We'd say that all the time. And so over the years we've seen more and more and more of them being revealed. And so many more just kind of boggles your mind, you know, to think that 20 years ago we were the persecuted, hunted down people and kicked out of church and told we were witches and people lied on you and told people not to go to your meetings and stuff. And oh, she doesn't have a covering. Hmm. Who's yours? You know, Jesus is mine. He called me. I don't need a man to tell me what I'm supposed to do. If God's spoken to me, my goodness. Come on now. God saw fit to have me ordained. All you need is one ordination. You don't need 15 committees to lay hands on you over and over and over again. That's an indication you don't know who you are. You get around people, they keep wanting to lay hands on you. I just go home. Huh? It's just crazy. My mother told me don't be letting people be feeling on you and stuff. If it's it's the truth, if it ain't God, that's all they doing. All this lewdness and lasciviousness. No wonder people jump into bed with somebody else's wife or husband or both or whatever they're doing in churches. They're just crazy. All this nonsense going on. Just stop it. 1532. We're there. 
the men were sent off and went down to Antioch where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter the people read it and were glad for its encouraging message that's the other thing that prophecy does encourages you in the right thing in the things of God Judas and Silas who themselves were prophets said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers strengthen you by the spirit man huh not by the flesh how many times do you have to tell somebody God's going to give them a house they ought to have a house by now my goodness you grown you got 15 kids you ought to have a house by now after spending some time there they were sent off by the brothers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them Amen. and so you see where they the, they depended upon prophecy for their encouragement they depend that's not wrong to do folks it's not wrong to do to get encouraged by prophecy that's why that gift is there see if we start nullifying every gift of god he can't do this too much and that too much and that what what is too much of god come on now god's not stupid and he's not retarded he knows not to keep telling somebody to tell you something if you've received it already but he got some hard-headed kids out here that don't receive a whole bunch of nothing you got me so if he takes the time to repeat it to you it must need repeating so the early church had many apostles and prophets they depended on the ministry gifts to guide the church so these gifts got and did it well because we see them writing scripture as they go that's the important part that their their walk with God was so precise and so ordered by God that God allowed their writings to be included in the canon of scripture it's all inspired by the Holy Ghost and left for our edification left to help us and guide us along the way there was no New Testament yet so we have to remember that and it's not that the New Testament nullifies prophecy the Bible says not to despise prophesying. Don't get to the point where you don't want to hear what God has to say. The instructions we get from the New Testament are timeless and ageless. And they help the fledgling church turn the whole world upside down. These were baby Christians going out in the authority of God turning the whole world upside down. You know why? They refused to listen to the religious who told them they shouldn't be doing certain things. They stayed with their own kind. Instead of going visiting someplace else to get most of that revelation stolen from you. They didn't go back to the old Jewish synagogue. They went house to house, church to church. Well God made it so they couldn't go back because they had people like Paul, I mean Saul, taking them to to uh, be uh, crucified and so forth they were persecuting the church so when you're persecuted you got to stay together you got nowhere else to go if you're going to survive and so prophecy was a weapon of warfare to them they they lived to hear what instruction god gave them and what encouragement god gave them to go forward so they believed what god said they used prophecy both to guide and protect them from the works of darkness prophecy as a weapon will put you on the path where it's safe to travel it won't put you out there where you get ebola or malaria 
or come home in a casket if you're a missionary. You understand what I'm saying? And, and a lot of the things we see mishaps in in people who are sent come because they're not really equipped and they're not really standing in the full authority of God's word. Peter's prophecy from Jesus is is one thing that I was going to go over with you today. It starts in John chapter 21. So we're going to talk about uh, Peter's close call and how prophecy was able to liberate him from, uh, from what he thought was certain death. The prophecy that Jesus gave him and he finally got the right interpretation on it. In uh, John, what did I say, 21? John 21, starting in verse 15. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, so son of John, do you truly love me more than these? First thing that God's going to do if he calls you to ministry is separate you from people. From man pleasing, kowtowing and being afraid to follow him. If you, if you by yourself, you can't be afraid to follow him. And he said, yes Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. I don't care what office you're called to. That's how you prove you love God. You've got to feed the sheep. If you dislike feeding the sheep, there's something wrong there. But that's how a true servant of God proves their love to the Lord. Is by feeding his flock. That's what you're called to do. You know, what are you going to retire from? Huh? From hungry people? So that's, that's how you prove that. That's how you do it. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, John, do you love truly love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, take care of my sheep. He said, this is what you're, that's what I want you to do. This is my last will and testament. I'm leaving you the sheep. Huh? He leaves all fivefold ministry gifts the sheep. You never get outgrow your need for feeding the sheep. I don't care how high you get up and how many uh, titles you get behind your name. Doctor of this and lawyer of that and liar of this thing. You, you get all them things behind your name and, and you still don't get out from, from the command to feed the sheep. The third time he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. He said, then feed my sheep. Don't start feeding them. Amen. He said, and and one of the reasons is because Peter would be found later to not want to go to think the Gentiles were worthy to receive. See, if God asks you something three times, it's because there's something in there that's standing in the way of you receiving what he's talking about. He's not doing this for nothing. And so he says, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted to go. He says, when, but he says, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. Someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. To tester. Are you going to follow me just because of the good times? Or are you going to follow me in good times and bad? Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned against, leaned back against Jesus at the supper. <laughs> this is John. Doesn't want to say it's me. It's John. When Peter saw him, he asked, "Lord, what about him?" 
wants to put somebody else in the persecution mix with him. So you can see Peter's kind of like refusing this. He's receiving and refusing this prophecy because he doesn't like it. Jesus said if I want him to remain alive until I return what is that to you? You've got to follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread about the brother among the brothers that John was not going to die. You know all the stories. John said they was boiled in oil and came up out of the oil alive. He's on the island of Patmos and got off of that alive. And so that was spoken about John all the time that he was on the earth. I would say that prophecy kept that brother alive. That's a good one to have spoken over you. Amen. So Peter knows a couple of things about his life. At some point he will be in prison prior to his death. And everybody knows that about Peter. I think many prophecies uh, will be known by all believers. Amen. There, There are things that we will know about one another to help one another. Not to hinder but to help. They use what they knew prophetically about one another to guide their prayers and their everyday activities. So they use prophecy just like a real weapon of warfare. They spoke those over one another. They believed them. They guided their lives with it. In prophecy they understood several things. Number one were gifts and callings. Those are always confirmed through prophecy. You have the gift in you. It's speaking to you all the time. But prophecy makes it official. It brings it outside of you. So it's not just you thinking that's you all the time. It brings it out confirmed. So once a prophet sees that in you, he brings it outside of you. So you can look at it through another's eyes and say, oh, that is who I am. Okay. The other thing it will tell you is assignments. Who went and who stayed. So it will give the assignment of sending and the assignment of staying with the flock. It talked about daily duties. What do you do on a daily routine basis in your service to the Lord? Oftentimes prophecy would let you know the length of your days or the circumstances that would befall you at the end of days. So Peter knew that. This was important because at any time Caesar could come knocking on your door dragging you off somewhere. You either said it's my time or it's not my time. You got me? So prophecy kept you here as long as God wanted you to be here to do the work he called you to do. He does not uh, ordain anybody to go home prematurely. He wants us to be satisfied with long life. Live out the days of our service to him and get the work done. Um, the other thing prophecy told was their power and authority to see prophecy fulfilled so it outlined your power and your authority to see that prophecy fulfilled Paul admonished the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 5.20 do not despise prophesying that's very important very important some people despise it and lap it up you understand what it's like fortune telling a fortune telling mentality they have about it if it sounds good to them they love it they want to hold on to it but if it's something they don't like they want to push it away it's despising it it means don't scoff or treat prophecy with contempt or treat it lightly don't despise what God has revealed and don't lightly esteem prophecy and don't lightly esteem prophecy some people don't need to get a prophecy every time the prophet comes to town 
just need to just be led by God if God says go up go up ask God if I should go up this time don't just get in line because you know you want to hear see that gets to get into fortune telling after a while where you you don't you're too lazy to pray until you get a prophecy you're just waiting to hear what somebody else has to say that kind of thing so get your own closey close with God you know and and let prophecy set you up to move into the next thing and not just always grabbing at something because you like to hear it and I remember in the days of the horoscope you know and you couldn't was dying to get your horoscope because it always said something nice about you it was vague but it wasn't offensive and so you got in there and that's sometimes what we get in prophecy it's vague but it's not offensive you know and say you can't it doesn't have enough bite in it for you to grab onto anything with it and so we have to always be led by God in these things Um, in Acts 12 verse 1 we see Peter's test of his prophecy what's what's happening with Peter and where is he at he remembers what Jesus spoke to him he was angry because he wanted John to have bad news just like he got bad news but John didn't get any bad news <laughs> he said what if I tell him tell him I'm coming back for him alive Peter didn't like that so anyway in 12 verse 1 he says about this time King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them so how would you like to have a government that did that we're getting close folks we're getting close it's happening in many other countries and it's happening to a degree here we're either going to rise up in our authority and put this stuff down where it belongs or we're going to get overtaken by it period so you better make up your mind which side you're on but there's no no room for fence sitting anymore you're either in all in or you're all out so Peter was arrested during the Passover so they couldn't put him to death right away but he had his uh, others had been put to death with a sword and when they saw that it pleased the Jews he proceeded to seize Peter also this happened during the feast of unleavened bread and after arresting him he put him in prison handing him over to be guarded by 16 guards there's four squads of four guards soldiers each he don't have that many legs and arms I mean some was guarding his fingers fingernail toes toenail Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover so he must be very valuable to them because he's heavily guarded you got to know that whenever God puts his anointing upon you you're heavily valued and you're heavily a threat to the enemy's plan to do what he wants to do now I know a lot of people you know don't get it in your flesh just understand it by the spirit that the anointing is extremely valuable down here on the earth we have a covenant with God as believers for privileges that the world could only dream of if they could have it you mean to tell me you haven't been to the doctor in 15 years you just go up to the altar and get prayer over and over again yeah well what if what if what if they don't give you health care already got it I'm already covered well you go to God he'll never turn you over to man huh you go to God he'll never turn you over to man I remember going to the doctor once for something something stupid I just you know in in it, it 
I was getting ready to go out of the door and God told me this. He said, whatever they find, I'll take care of it. And I didn't ask him if I should go. I just went. Well, anyway. I mean, you need to ask him and you need to be obedient. But I just went. He said, whatever they find, I'll take care of it. And I hold on to that today. If I ever get in that, but I don't plan to. You know, somebody might find me laying out somewhere. I'm just asleep. I ain't in no coma and I ain't hurt, okay? Take me nowhere. I should keep some cards on me. Not this hospital, not this one, not this one. Get tattoos. Don't take me. If prayer can't do it, just let me go peacefully on. Step over, whatever. But I don't play like that. You know, I have a physician. He owns he owns healing. He himself took our infirmities. He himself bore our sicknesses. He himself and he doesn't need a middleman to treat me. Treat me himself. So here Peter is in verse five, Peter was kept in prison. But the church earnestly prayed to God for him. Why, in light of the prophecy, and I'm sure everybody knew it, Peter's prophecy. Did you hear what they said? Did you hear what Jesus told Peter before he died? Oh man, that Peter. It does not matter what's been said about you and how the carnal people interpret it. God gives somebody somewhere a spiritual interpretation. And gives them instruction on what to do next on your behalf. Somebody heard from the Holy Ghost that it wasn't Peter's time. You hear what I'm saying? Prophecy can be interpreted one way by one person and one way by another person. But God knows the real interpretation of it. It's a good thing there were godly people in that church that heard from God and prayed according to what God told them to pray and not the buzz about Peter. Ooh, Peter's in jail. Well, you know that prophecy part is coming to pass. Part of it has come to pass already. He's sitting up in jail now. He's he all bound up in there. Ooh, it's coming to pass. Hmm. You don't do that. You got to make up your mind about stuff you don't pray for sickness and health sickness sometime and health sometime or you don't lay off the health prayer because there is looking bad and what's the use Uh, you don't do that you set your heart one direction as long as you're here on earth you pray for things of earth to to bring heaven down here you pray for people to be healed i don't care if they looks like they stepping over that ain't your business you don't know their time and you don't call time on anybody huh you know people who live close to god it it, it blessed me so it uh, was uh someone who was at uh somebody jeremy his dad remember his his father jeremy lopez father was very ill and and he sent out this sos and i thought oh my goodness you know it's oh this, this is a big decision for our family to make and pray that we make the right decision and i told the lord i said no god come on now and god told me he said they're not making any decision i made the decision already 
I said, well, God, can you please let them know that they're not the ones having it? And God said, nothing else. And before you knew it, he was writing back. His father was well, all of a sudden was going to her, going home. He went home and died like two days later. So God just took him home when it was his time. But he took the decision about whether or not that man would live out of the hands of man. You got me? That is no man's place to tell you, pull a plug, don't pull a plug, don't do this. That's not man's domain. And if you'll appeal to God, God will make his wishes known to everybody. That man was at death's door, they thought, and they thought they had to make a decision to pull a plug. They didn't make nothing. That man went home. God pulled a plug when he got home, when it was his time. It's to prove to people they have no authority in that need to cut out the nonsense just because the world thinks they're in charge of life and death now they can give abortions they can give enough morphine to kill a horse you know to a 90 pound elderly person they think they're in charge they think they're God not God nobody's God but God I mean, show himself strong so Peter's arrested he's getting he's having kind of a close call he's shaving a little close there Drawing a little blood. <laughs> Getting nicked. So it says in verse 6. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial. People are earnestly praying that God will move. God moves when he moves. Not before. So this is the night before. See I think sometimes God waits until it's necessary. You know, not comfortable. Might have been comfortable for him to have gotten out the first day, but it wasn't necessary. So God moves when it's necessary. Just allow God to be God. If you believe in your prayers, you'll continue to pray. I'm sure uh, over a period of time, the unbelievers quit praying. So it's good to get them out of the picture. The doubters quit praying. Get them out of the picture. So now what's left are the believers praying. And so the night before Herod was to bring in the trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. Sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. It's like... You know, like you're sitting next to somebody, you just hunch him with your elbow in the side. He said, hey, Peter. So Peter wakes up and he says, quick, get up. What happens if God tells you quick and you don't do quick? Huh? Scared, looking for a confirmation, asking angel a bunch of questions. Huh? You got to be ready to move. When deliverance comes to you, you got to be ready to take it. Huh? You can't be sitting up wondering, well, is this a vision or is this just move? Do what the angel says to do. He's the only person that ever told Peter to move while he's all strapped down. And he said the chains fell off Peter's wrists. That's what happens when you're obedient. Huh? Don't worry about the chains. Just get up and obey what the angel told you to do. Hmm? Well, I got to get these chains off me first. No, you don't. He just told you to move. And the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And he did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. 
the angel told him. And Peter did so. Now what did the prophecy Jesus gave him tell him? He says when you're old somebody else will dress you. Somebody else will get you up there. Take you away. Now Peter said uh oh. I'm putting my own clothes on. I'm dressing myself. I think I'll die another day. Huh? I am not going to go to Herod today. Huh? So he finally gets it. He says put on your clothes. Gird yourself. Put your own stuff on. It's not your time yet but he had no idea Peter followed him out of the prison but he had no idea what the angel was doing and what was really happening he thought he was seeing a vision that's how strong the anointing was see when when angels appear in the anointing we and God used to show us that we you know he did a lot of things to to demonstrate what was going on in the meetings in the early days now we just believe that we have angelic power but we would have we would have spots on the floor at the altar where angels were standing and you could go stand in them and you would reel back and forth under the power of God but you wouldn't fall why he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways in their hands they will gird you up amen they hold you up they don't let you fall amen and so we we experience those things and so the angels and when the anointing was strong you could get drunk and we would call them drunk spots and stand there (laughs) i know (laughs) well god allowed it we didn't know no different we was just having a good time oh i'm getting drunk over here drunk huh he says, <laughs> I know. So they passed the first and second guards, came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. Power of God does that, folks. Opens doors no man can close. Closes doors no man can open. And they went through. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. So it was time for him to be on his own. Peter came to himself and says, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. And so when when Peter was set free he was set free because he obeyed the angel once he obeyed the angel he knew it was not time for him to die he knew that prophecy was not coming to pass and so we will know these things folks when we get into situations where God has to bail us out or help us just cry out to God but don't try to figure out how you got there and how you're going to get out. But he is your help and your salvation. So when Peter saw that he could get himself free, he got up and he knew it wasn't his time. He did everything himself. Nobody girded him. Nobody chained him down. Chains fell off. And he was free to go about and do what God had called him to do and finish the call. And it says here, and here he was free rescued me from Herod's clutches we're in verse 11 and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating in other words they won't have a party at my expense says when this had dawned on him he went to the house of Mary the mother of John also called Mark where many people had gathered and were praying Peter knocked at the outer entrance 
And a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed she ran back without opening it and said, Peter's at the door. So she was so overcome with rejoicing that their prayers were answered. Amen. Now we don't know if they were still praying for Peter when he showed up at the gate. But this girl was overjoyed and she went back to tell everybody. And they they told her, you're out of your mind. And she kept insisting that it was so. And they said it must be his angel. Now you wonder who was really praying for him. Huh? Mm-hmm. What did Jesus tell Paul? He said I got a whole lot of people in the city. Huh? I got a lot of people I can call on for prayer. Sometimes it's a it's a group of individuals you don't even know. That have prayed you through. Just because they don't know you. They're not swayed one way or the other. But all these people when Peter showed up at the door was not expecting Peter to be there. They was expecting Peter to be dead already. That's his ghost or that's his spirit or something. But that ain't Peter. And he says when Peter kept knocking when they opened the door and saw him they were astonished. They say ask in faith receive in shock. Well. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the brothers about this and then he left for another place. In the morning there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made and they couldn't find him he cross examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. And so it's serious business folks when the devil wants to stop. A man or a woman of God from doing what God's called them to do. Just like it was in the days back then. Those days are going to come again. We're going to see that people are are imprisoned for not destroying Christians. For not doing their job. They'll probably get destroyed in this country. They do a character assassination. They just make it hard for you to get another job somewhere. And hard for you to survive. But there are, are conspiracies of the enemy right now to stop the church from going forth in the kind of power that God is pouring out on us so we need to do this we need to war according to prophecy we need to wield that as as our sword and as our um, uh, defense against the enemy and even go on the offense with these things get to the point where you anticipate what the enemy will do and you stop him before he gets an opportunity to do it because God is with us for good folks and he will prosper us and he will see us through but we have to respect prophecy don't want you to depend on it as the voice of God to you forever and ignore the word but use the two of them together because they will complement one another as we go forth when hard decisions have to be made you go before God and if you can't get it right he will send a prophet to you or he will send a word to you some way so that you can make it through amen father we thank you for your word and for understanding how to war according to the prophecy amen we are your warriors in this earth we fight the good fight of faith laying hold of eternal life and the things that pertain to eternal life we thank you for that thank you for the gifts of the spirit we thank you lord for the anointing of god in jesus name amen praise god if anybody needs prayer come on up and i'll pray her for you
anybody else need prayer? Father, we thank you for blessing our bread and water, taking sickness from the midst of us. We thank you, Lord, for this time of fellowship. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us a mandate that we would take this city for you. Lord, this city already belongs to you. We're taking back the enemy's power and influence here where he's destroyed lives and he's destroyed uh, ministries and churches and the lives of believers. Lord, we take all of that back for your glory, not for our benefit, but for your glory. And certainly we will be blessed by the results and we will relish the time that we've had with you to do these things. So we thank you, Lord, for blessing us to be able to know and to understand what you are doing in this hour. Thank you so much for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. 